If you've ever navigated a large crowd with a small child in tow, you know well the anxiety that comes from weaving through all of those people crushed together as you hold on to their hand or watch out for them out of the corner of their eyes, just hoping that they stay within your line of sight or, or even better, connecting to you by touch somehow. I know this well, and I actually remember it fairly recently, though my children are not so small anymore. Our spring break travels from just a few weeks ago took us to some densely crowded theme parks. And as much as we did to mitigate that anxiety from dressing our youngest in bright colors to finding rally points in the event we got separated, yes, I am that dad, there's really not much you can control once you get into these great big crowds. And so we would begin each day with a mantra. Joe uh, and I would say to the children, this is going to be a lot of crowds today. If one of you gets separated from the rest of us, three things. One, don't panic. Two, find a staff member. Or three, find a family that you like better. Good news, none of these things happened. We returned to Cleveland with the same number and actually the same people that we'd left with. But, you know, the reality is that crowds can be scary. When we're in the midst of a great crowd, we can feel lost and disembodied as that formless mass begins to wrap itself around us. It can be physically dangerous especially if the people around us become fearful or angry. And as a crowd mentality takes over, something that we heard in the Passion Gospel, it becomes even more perilous as those around us and we as well become whipped up by waves of anxiety and reactivity where despite our proximity to other people, we actually become severed from them separated from ourselves, and even separated from God. The Palm Sunday crowd, and I think the crowd is an important character in the drama, the Palm Sunday crowd turns on a dime. How quickly the people laying cloaks on the road and singing Hosanna become the very same voices calling for crucifixion. I, I hear this and I imagine a flock of birds traveling, hundreds or thousands of birds traveling en masse in one direction and one begins to break left and suddenly as one they all cut and move in the opposite direction, almost as one single organism. The story this morning begins there as people lay the cloaks on the road to welcome Jesus to their hometown. Welcome, we're so glad you're here. You are going to fulfill all of our hopes. We sing Hosanna. But by the end, that crowd has darkened and becomes the mob who calls for his death. A sea of people who have lost themselves, who have become lost to themselves. 
our lives are a movement towards God and away from the crowds. Now, I don't mean that we are in a movement away from other people. I'm not saying that this is all just one big journey into individualism and self-sufficiency. But actually, it's a movement into deeper communion with others by stepping away from the madness of the moment. This crowd that we meet seems to grow more unhinged as the story goes on. And it gets louder, it more strident, and its own inner logic morphs into something completely unrecognizable. And then at this point, it should become clear to all of us that this crowd has lost its mind. But you see, that's what crowds do. They forget that they are crowds at all. And they forget that people in crowd mode are so easily duped. They've become a mob of people who are lost and alone. People whose ground of being is not God, but rather something very different. Something that is shifting and churning beneath their feet. They really have no ground at all. They are easily frightened, easily swayed and manipulated and contorted into an instrument of lethal force. Thomas Merton wrote about crowds. And what he writes really shatters any idea that the crowd represents any kind of cumulative wisdom or community. You, you can crowdsource a good plumber but you're probably not going to really discover meaning from a crowd that has become a mob. Indeed, the crowd, Merton writes, is the great temptation of our whole lives to fall away from God and to become lost, lost in that great big swirling sea. Thomas Merton wrote this. He wrote, the great temptation of modern man is to escape into the great formless sea of irresponsibility, which is the crowd. There is actually no more dangerous solitude than that of the one who is lost in the crowd, who is burdened by the diffuse, anonymous anxiety, the nameless fears, the petty, petty itching lusts, and the all-pervading hostilities which fill mass society the way water fills the ocean. Now, crowds can be joyful things. When we gather to celebrate great moments and great events, when crowds can be instruments of liberation, whether it's a civil rights march or the people of a, of a nation risking and rallying themselves to demand freedom and dignity. But that takes a kind of intentional selflessness, a sacrificial love, and a willingness to pour yourself out for the good of others. And that's not what we hear this morning, is it? Merton, and, and I think Luke as well, this is Luke's gospel this morning, is really talking about a different kind of crowd. The kind where, where fear mongers use our petty anxieties against us. Crucify him. They all cried. Every last one of them. 
crucify him. Wait, where did that come from? Did, did they all get that same idea at the exact same time? No, of course not. The good church folk who wanted things to stay exactly as they were, thank you very much, were working the crowd. They were, they were tweaking the algorithms and getting all the right emotional feedback so that the crowd would do their dirty work for them. Sadly, this is what life looks like sometimes. It is subtle. It is strident. It is seductive. And it is quite the opposite of what God envisions for us on this journey of faith and transformation. The crowd mentality is not what this is all about. Rather, God envisions a return into the intimate heart of God. Our journey into the heart of God is a movement away from this crowd. Our journey into the embrace of God is a movement away from the crowd. This means overcoming the pressure of the mob, which is sometimes strident and is other times subtle, and reaching instead for a, a kind of solitude in God. Now, this is not about how great we are. It's not about proving ourselves worthy before God and before others. It's simply about knowing that God is the very core of who we are and then letting that knowledge shape us as holy and humble people. But, and, and this is Merton being Merton, that doesn't mean that we get to separate ourselves out from life. If, if the crowd is here and we want to step away, this is not about separating ourselves from, from the hoi polloi or the great unwashed or whatever you want to call it and pretend that we are somehow better than those who are still there lost in the crowd. You see, the more we find differentiation from that crowd, the more we find our true home in God, the more we become connected to one another. We become connected because that's what happens when we live and love out of our groundedness in God. And as we begin to see each person as God sees them. That's the paradox of the crowd, I think. The, those who remain stuck in that mob mentality, as tight as they are to lots of other human beings, they actually become lost to themselves and they end up seeing God in nobody. The farther we get from that crowd, though, the more we naturally and effortlessly see God in everybody, in everybody. To prepare for the ordeal that awaited him, Jesus went to the garden. He went there to be alone. He went there to seek solace and, in God. And I believe he went there to find the solitude that would enable him to continue to love those who were going to destroy him. He went deeper into that solitude because he knew he was going to have to not only endure, but continue to love everyone. And as his friends fall asleep, 
As they become anxious, as they deny him, as they rush to save their own skin, as they and others retreat into self-centeredness and fear, Jesus went further on this path of self-emptying and pouring himself out. And Thomas Merton wrote that this is our path as well. He wrote, if we want to seek some way of being holy, we must first of all renounce our own way and our own wisdom. We must empty himself as he did. This is the work of Holy Week. This is the work of walking with Jesus on this path of sacrifice, of love and self-emptying. But it is also the gift and beauty of Holy Week. For in walking this path, we too will be drawn deeper into the heart of God. We too will be drawn into the fullness of who God calls each and every one of us to be. Amen.